Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis. I hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's NFL season preview. Today, week one and general gambling philosophy ideas for you to take into this football season. Wow, that was a very fun game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Dallas Cowboys. I am recording five minutes after that game just ended. Partly, I wanted to wait to record just in case it was a really good game, so I'd have a little bit of a nice segue into the Week 1 games to talk about things. I got rewarded for waiting because I was going to record at about 4 o'clock, looking ahead just to the games on the weekend, talk a little bit about some of the college games I had some interest in, but man, that was a really fun time. I'm a sucker for NBC's broadcast. The Sunday Night Football Package is the best broadcast in football. Michael, Al Michaels is the best living sports broadcaster. I know there are some people out there who will stump for Bob Costas. I am firmly in the camp that Al Michaels is the best sports broadcaster of all time. At the very least of the modern era, the post... The post... I, I don't even know where you begin to define the broadcasting errors because so many of the significant ones overlap with one another. But I'll talk a little bit about the Dallas-Tampa game going into after the introduction here. But before I get to the fun where we get to we get to pick the bones. This is where I'm in my element where I get to talk about football for an hour. As much as I love hockey, I love baseball, and all the other sports I talk about on the show here, football is the sport I have the most fun with because it's the one that gets the best reaction out of people it is the one i can talk to anyone about whether it be college or the nfl it's the one that reinvigorates some of the friendships i only have during football season where it's people i only talk to about football it brings out the best of my friends the worst of my friends when my team interacts with their team things of that nature but before i get to today's show do have to remind everyone to help support the show so first step in that process number one subscribe to the show's feed whatever podcasting platform you like to use all the major platforms are supported by the upper bowl gm podcast apple podcast spotify soundcloud stitcher google play all the major ones were there next if you're subscribed to the show give the show a signal boost on social media whether it be twitter instagram facebook snapchat wherever you see the show share it so other people can find it And the last step in this process, if you're an Apple podcast user, because Apple controls the known universe with the iPhone, please go to your podcast app. Go to the show's page. Once you've subscribed, scroll down past our recent episodes. Go to the bottom. There are going to be five purple stars. You want to hit the one furthest to the right. That's leaving a five-star review. After that, if you are so inclined, underneath that is a button purple letters that says write a review if you have a minute i would really appreciate a couple words from anyone out there in the world listening to today's show gonna do a giveaway once we get to 20 reviews that's the goal once we get to 20 reviews i will give away a jersey i don't know i'll go through the closet i'll find something we'll go from there please 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 support your content creators leave reviews that stuff helps us out immensely now football is my favorite time of the year It's my most active time of the year in terms of gambling stakes because football is probably the easiest sport to bet on. 
purely from uh, understanding the sport perspective because there are so few games to draw upon. There is not as much variance as there is in the longer season sports like there is in baseball and hockey and basketball where over the course of an 82-game season you get some weirder outliers on any given night. Football, if you have a sound strategy you go into the season with, you can do okay for yourself. And we'll start with the philosophies and principles to build your plan around and we'll go from there. So I will see you guys in one second. We'll talk gambling. We'll talk week one NFL. We'll talk a little bit of college because there's a few good games. Not a ton. This is a non-conference week. There's one great game that's be that's being played this weekend. And then another two games I'm interested in. I just kind of want to get a barometer on where those teams are at. So I'll see you guys in one second. And with that, we'll get on into it. So, the Dallas-Tampa game, Thursday night, all the bells and whistles, the very weird Ed Sheeran concert. I know I'm getting excited to watch some football. I'm going to turn on Ed Sheeran albums to get psyched up. I don't know what the NFL was doing there. I know a couple years ago they had Meek Mill. That worked a little bit more. Dreams and Nightmares gets people ready to hit the shit out of each other playing football. Uh, Perfect by Ed Sheeran does not get me excited to go and tackle someone, but... I'll leave the NFL marketing team to that decision. Very fun game to watch. You could see the offenses working out their kinks. The defenses will always start out a bit ahead of where the offenses are, purely from a rhythm and feel perspective. you got to get those receivers used to trying to play against live defenses, quarterbacks against the feel of a live pass rush where they can actually get hit. It was very nice to see Dak Prescott look decent. I will say... It seemed like Dak was a step slow in getting through his process of understanding where his reads were. He was getting the ball out pretty quickly. The Dallas game plan, I liked what Kellen Moore did there. A lot of RPOs, a lot of play action, a lot of design rollouts. Things things designed to keep Dak from getting hit, to let him build up his confidence, to get the ball out quickly, and to help the offense move the ball. And Dallas looked pretty good on offense tonight. There were a couple drops. You would have liked to have seen them be able to run the ball just a little bit so the defense wasn't sitting past the entire time, but they were able to pass the ball with some relative efficiency. I liked what I saw from Dallas as someone who owns a Dak Prescott MVP future, as someone who's picked Dallas to win the NFC East. I liked what I saw from Dallas tonight. I'd like to get a little bit more out of the defense. They could not get anything resembling a pass rush going on Tampa Bay. I understand Tampa Bay has a really good offensive line, and Tom Brady's going to be able to dissect what a defense is giving him pre-snap. A lot of One of the plays that really stood out to me was the one Rob Gronkowski touchdown where Gronk stayed in to block, he chipped, and then he released, and he got open and scored the touchdown. That was a pre-snap adjustment where Brady changed what Gronkowski was supposed to do. Gronk stayed into chip, went out, caught the pass, broke a tackle, went into the end zone for a touchdown. Those are the kind of things that you only get from a veteran quarterback. You saw it a couple times from Dak trying to change things at the line. Didn't work to the same degree. I'm not going to overreact to one game. I know, uh, well, this is the official announcement that during football season, Monday episodes of the podcast are going to be called Overreaction Monday. That is going to be the name of the episode. Purely college and NFL overreactions to one single game. It's a staple. Sports media loves to react to one game 
in a football season because there are only 17 games or 13 games, 12 games in the college football season, depending how long your team goes into the playoffs. I mean, we all remember the Chiefs murdering the Patriots opening night that one year with Alex Smith throwing all over the yard to rookie Kareem Hunt, Trent Dilfer saying the Patriots were done. I'm not going to overreact seriously. There'll be facetious overreactions and generalizations to some degree, but I'm going to try my best to not overreact to one single game. I liked what I saw from both teams. What I thought about both teams coming into tonight was validated. I thought Tampa Bay was going to be probably the best or second best team in the NFC, and I thought Dallas was going to be around that 10-win mark. The way they played against Tampa tonight indicates that Dallas can play with anyone as long as they stay healthy. I trust their game plan. They're going to be aggressive passing the ball. They had 60-plus passing attempts tonight. You love to see it as someone who has Dak in fantasy like I do and as someone who understands where football is going. If you want to win these kind of games against good opponents with good defenses, you got to throw 55, 60 times because that's more efficient than running the ball. Dallas getting away from running the ball, yes, that's a product of Tampa Bay having a really stout run defense, but it is also the most efficient way to play offense if you are Dallas. I was not questioning what Dallas was doing offensively tonight like I did week one last year where about midway through that opening night game against the Rams, it kind of hit me that, oh, wait, yeah, Mike McCarthy's the coach of this team, and Mike McCarthy's kind of an idiot, but I digress. So, to start out this preface, before I get into anything resembling picks, suggestions, weak ones, there are a few things you have to understand before you are going to bet on football. The most important thing, this isn't even just like strategies or thinking, Have an amount you are okay with losing. No matter how good of a run you are on, no matter how great you think you are at picking football, nobody picks football better than about 60%. If someone was picking football better than 60% over a long period of time, they would be selling their picks for a lot of money and everybody would be tailing them. You are going to lose betting on football. No matter how good of a run you are on, you will eventually hit a cold streak. And you need to understand that it is part of the gambling process and that you will lose money. You need to have an amount you are okay with losing per week, per month, whatever time frame you want to use for your gambling reference. Because I'll give you an example. Last year, regular season college in the NFL... I was on a great run, a great run. And then the NFL playoffs fucked me royally because I got a cold streak all at once. And there were a couple bad individual weeks during the regular season. I remember there was one week where I just full on said, okay, I'm not betting anything this week because I had such a bad two previous weeks. Just clean clean the slate, reset my brain, rethink how I'm thinking about things. Have an amount you are okay with losing because you are going to lose eventually. And if you lose more than you are okay with losing, you are going to run into an issue because do not chase. No matter what every instinct in your body is telling you, do not bet the Hawaii game on Saturday. Do not bet the Charger game at 4.30. Do not bet Sunday night football. Do not bet Monday night football if you are chasing. If you have something you feel okay about, that's different. Do not chase. Gambling is a very serious vice. It is a certifiable thing that you can get addicted to. It can fuck up your life. 
It is why I'm spending this much time talking about why it's important to take it seriously, to have a plan. All of these things are very important. Have an amount you are okay with losing. And if you lose that amount of money, you're done for the week. You reset your, you recalibrate and you reapproach going into the next week. The second bit of advice. I talked about this a couple months ago. I had Matt Elber. He is someone who's worked in the gambling industry for a few years now on the show, right around when New York State legalized mobile sports betting before the process for vendors to set up mobile sports books became a thing. We're still waiting for the mobile sports books to get established in New York State. But the day it was legalized, the day Cuomo signed the legislation when he was trying to cover something up, I talked with Matt about this. Once you've established how much you're okay with losing, the next most important thing you can do, shop around for a line. And when I say that, I mean different books will have different lines for the same game. Some books will have a half point, a whole point, a point and a half. If you know an actual in-person bookie, a local, as us degenerates will call them, they might have different lines compared to what you can get legally because they're going to be able to give you different things. Shop around for the best line possible before you lay any action. Next, you want to lay your action as early as possible. Sometime on Sunday night, after the Sunday night game, the lines for the next week's games will come out, and that is when the lines are at their most vulnerable and there is the most opportunity to make money on because the public has not influenced those lines yet. The lines will move during the course of the week because people have perceptions about games that are upcoming, and that will change the line and the perceived value you have. The best line you are going to get is when the game first comes out. If you are waiting until Sunday morning to lay your NFL bets or Saturday morning to lay your college football bets, you are not getting the best possible value as a gambler. Now, if you are thinking, wait, I want this bad team to get a couple more points for them, I can maybe see that argument if, say, you're looking at the San Francisco-Detroit game this upcoming weekend and you want to get that number to maybe eight and a half, nine before you would consider betting Detroit, I could maybe see an argument for that. But in reality, you should probably be betting that number as soon as it comes out if you want to get the best possible value. Next, do as much research as you can. It is something I do religiously during football season. I read as many columns, I listen to as many podcasts, I watch as many videos. I want to get as much information as possible before I bet any of my hard-earned money on a game. I want to know the matchups, I want to know the usage rates, I want to know every possible factor that could come up during the course of a game before I bet any money. I highly recommend listening to as many podcasts, reading as many columns. I want anybody who's betting money to have as much information as possible before they make their decisions. If you're betting $5, $10 a game, just purely entertainment, okay. But if you want to gamble on football seriously and try and turn a profit by the end of the calendar year, you need to do as much research as you can. I'm going to steer you towards my friend Blake Crass, Blakey Locks on Twitter. Blake has been a very reliable football handicapper in the time I've known him. Had a really good college and NFL season last year tailing him. He's got really 
really in-depth research. Blake is just one prong in my approach. I'm reading mainstream news from every major outlet I can, whether it be ESPN, The Athletic, whatever. I'm trying to get as much information as I can before I bet on anything. And then the last word of advice I have, don't be afraid of looking into smaller markets. You don't have to bet spreads. You don't have to bet money lines, parlays, teasers, any of the things you see in the really bad commercials for all of the sports books that are legal in New Jersey. You don't have to do that stuff. You can look at individual player markets. When I talk about player markets, we're talking about prop bets. So it can be passing yards, completions, receptions, receiving yards, rushing yards, sacks, interceptions, all of those kind of things, those little micro stats, those individual player stat line values, because those are where there is value because the sports books may not be valuing those lines properly. I had a pretty decent year last year trying to find those individual things. The thing I was really looking at last year was running back receptions. I know there was more than one occasion where I was looking for teams that were play with good running backs playing against teams of bad linebackers, and the reception line was three and a half or four and a half. And I'm thinking Alvin Kamara against the Lions, he's going to get more than four and a half receptions. Don't be afraid to look at the micro markets because it is hard to pick football. Even money lines. If you were to bet every game money line per week, it is hard to do that successfully and to be able to turn a profit. So don't be afraid of looking at those individual player markets. And the last word of advice I have here in the principles before I talk about week one. Steer clear of any promotions a sports book is offering. Sportsbooks have entire teams of risk assessment people that are calculating odds to try and get the best possible lines for the sportsbooks so you lose your money. It's very important you understand that. No matter what celebrity is in the commercial, what personality is promoting the book, those books are in business to take your money. I know you think Pat McAfee is very funny. FanDuel sponsors his show, so you will bet with FanDuel and lose your money. The Barstool Sportsbook wants you to like Dave Portnoy, Dan Katz, PFT, because they want to take your money. PointsBet uses Paige Spurnack in their commercials because they want you to lose your money. The sportsbooks are not your friends. The personalities who have shows sponsored by those books are not your friends. They want you to lose your money. Stay away from those promotions. Occasionally, sportsbooks will throw you a bone. FanDuel has had a couple of those really crazy ones where no matter how many people bet the spread, the number keeps changing. I know I got the bills at like plus 99 at one point last year as a promo. I bet threw down. I think you the max bet was $150 and you could get your money back and you would get site credit back. Those books are doing that so you will keep the site credit because you can't cash out the site credit to keep you betting with the assumption that if you have site credit, you will continue betting once you've used all that site credit. So now that I've used all those disclaimers, I've given you my sound, rational mind thoughts on how to successfully navigate football season. Let's talk about the games. There are really good games in week one. There are a couple season-long things I have written down here I want to cover really quickly. So... The season-long bets I like. Okay. Number one, 
the New York football Giants under seven wins at plus 110 on FanDuel. It's very simple. They have a difficult schedule. They don't play two of the four, the three other teams in their division very well. They've had a hard time beating the Eagles historically. They've had a hard time beating the Cowboys in recent history. If you split with those two teams, and we'll give them a split with the Washington football team, that's three out of 17, and their out-of-division opponents are pretty difficult. Even the bad teams, Carolina, Atlanta, Denver, no slouches. Those are difficult games. You've got games against Tampa. You've got games against Kansas City, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Vegas Raiders. I don't see a world in which the Giants get two seven wins. It seems about five or six seems to be the right number for the Giants this year, unless things break dramatically right. I'd be pleasantly surprised there. That is partially me emotionally hedging. I am prone to doing that during football season where I will bet against my favorite team that way if my team disappoints me at least I will get some hard-earned money back in return Giants under seven plus 110 next one these are two bets in the same tier these are season-long bets if you do not have a ton of money do not tie your money up in season-long bets Number one, Buffalo Bills to win the number one seed in the AFC at plus 470. This is very simple. I think Kansas City has a difficult division. I think Kansas City is more likely to split a couple of those series, whether it be against Vegas, the Chargers, or Denver. I think Kansas City is a very good team. I do think they are going to be liable to lose some games in division because they have such a talented team. I think Buffalo is a little bit better than everyone else in their division, a little bit more than Kansas City is. And at the value they're at at plus 470, about four and three quarters to one, that's pretty good value. It's not the most likely future, but it's something I feel comfortable throwing a 20 spot on and waiting and seeing what happens. Next, same tier of bet. The Green Bay Packers, number one seed in the NFC. They've done it each of the last two seasons. Plus 550, the number one seed coming into the season was Tampa Bay. That line may have shifted after Thursday night football, but I did get it in before then. Plus 550, the logic here for Green Bay. They're clearly the best team in their division. Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota. Minnesota may be able to split split with Green Bay like they did last season. Chicago is going to be bad. Detroit is going to be bad. I think Green Bay has an argument as the best team in the NFC. And at plus 550, I feel like the value is too good to sleep on there. Next, this is a very, very simple parlay of division winners. Green Bay, Kansas City, and Tennessee, plus 312. So 3-2-1. So whatever you bet, you would win three times that amount. It's very simple. Tennessee is the best team in that division. I think Indianapolis is going to run into a problem with Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz will either get hurt, contract COVID. They will be starting Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger, who are not NFL quarterbacks, for at least two games. And that's your season right there. Tennessee is going to be able to win 12, 13 games just on offense alone, as long as Arthur Smith's replacement is not that bad. Kansas City, I think, is clearly the best team in the AFC West. And Green Bay, obviously, the best team in the NFC North. Colts, minus 110. So you have to bet $110 to win $100 to miss the playoffs. Like I just said in that last parlay spot, talking about the Titans, I think the Colts are going to have a hard time scoring points. 
I don't trust Carson Wentz. That offensive line is not great. The last time I saw Frank Reich, he was not letting Phillip Rivers aggressively pursue winning that game against the Bills. Carson Wentz is not as good as Phillip Rivers was last year. I say this as a Jonathan Taylor fantasy owner. I don't think the Colts are going to be particularly good. I know they have a very good defense. I don't think the offense will be able to score enough points for them. Los Angeles Chargers plus 126 to make the playoffs. The Chargers are a very, very trendy pick amongst people trying to find value on these lines. Justin Herbert was very good last year as a rookie behind a bad offensive line. They drafted Rashawn Slater from Northwestern to solidify that offensive line. They signed Corey Lindsley to play center. They signed Brian Beluga a couple years ago. They have Brandon Staley, who is a smart individual. I trust what the Chargers want to do. I think they can make some noise. They could maybe even pursue Kansas City for that division title if Kansas City runs into a speed bump at any point. Last one in the season-long ones. Seattle, plus 108 to miss the playoffs. Very simple. I talked about this on the season preview episode yesterday. Seattle has been on the right side of one-score games for what seems like Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson's entire time in Seattle. Eventually, their luck has to run out. This isn't the most juicy of line at plus 108. That's pretty close to even money. But at the very least... I can bet this one and not feel terrible about it because they're playing in a difficult division where on paper they probably have the third best roster of any team and all it takes is one other team from another division, whether it be the Vikings, whether it be the Washington football team, whether it be the New Orleans Saints. All it takes is one of those other teams to be a little bit better than we expected and Seattle could very easily miss the playoffs because of how difficult a division they play in. Now, Talking about the Week 1 games, we've got some interesting ones. Pittsburgh-Buffalo, Arizona-Tennessee, the Chargers and the Washington football team, Seattle-Indy, Miami-New England, Cleveland-Kansas City, Green Bay-New Orleans, Baltimore-Vegas. I'm not going to go through every single game and pick every single game because I think that would be a disservice to you because I there's a few picks I feel pretty... I feel decent about. I've already made them, so I'll give them... And I'll talk a little bit about some of the other games that interest me. So, number one, I have got a six-point teaser. So, if you are new to gambling, teasers are very simple. They're a tool where you get to adjust the line and you get to pick two, three, four, etc. number of teams to move the line six points in their favor. So... We have an NFC West teaser coming out of the gate. The Los Angeles Rams are seven and a half point favorites against the Chicago Bears, and the San Francisco 49ers are seven and a half point favorites against the Detroit Lions. We have a six point teaser, so we are going to tease both of those lines down to one and a half points. That means our team has to win by two points for our bets to cover, and we need both legs of that bet. So we need both San Francisco and the Rams to win by two points. The value is not incredible at minus 134, but it's something to dip our toes in the water, get a reasonable value on two teams playing less than stellar opposition. I think Chicago could 
destroy everybody's suicide pools if they were to upset the Rams. I think a lot of people feel very highly about the Rams coming into this game. Coming into the season, for that matter, I know a number of pundits. I know Peter King from the Monday Morning Quarterback. I know um, Chris Sims uh, from PF from Pro Football Talk. I know a lot of people feel pretty highly about the Rams. I'm one of them. In one of my pools with my friends, I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl. There's a world in which the Bears can upset the Rams because the Bears have such a good pass rush, but... Both of those, I feel reasonable that those teams can win by two points or more. Very simple, wet the beak, minus 134, nothing too crazy. The next one. This is a little bit of value. Every week, there's going to be one game that people tell you to bet the money line underdog. So, the money line is just you're picking that team to win. It's bought by any specific amount of points. So, this is one I've talked myself into. I only have like 15 bucks on this. Picked the Browns plus 200 against the Chiefs at the Chiefs money line purely because of how the Browns played in the NFC, the excuse me, the AFC divisional round against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. The Browns can attack that defense. The Chiefs still have not solved their defensive problems that existed last year. I do not trust their ability to rush the passer. Yes, the Chiefs will be able to protect Patrick Mahomes better, the Chiefs will be able to score at will. Just think the Browns defense is frisky enough where all they need is one strip sack, one interception. That secondary for the Browns is going to be very good this year. They drafted Greg Newsom from Northwestern, who's a very good corner. They have Denzel Ward. They have Greedy Williams. They have Grant Delpit. They signed John Johnson from the Rams as a free agent. That secondary is going to be able to force turnovers. They've got Miles Garrett opposite Jadavian Clowney. As long as the linebackers can be passable in the middle of the field against the tight ends, the safeties will be able to help out with those tight ends. There's a world in which the Browns can upset the Chiefs week one. This is a money line upset. This is not something you should stake a ton of money on. This is a flyer. This is just a, we want to see things. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. And at plus 200, it is not awful. The last teaser I have for you before I just talk generally about the games. I only have three picks I feel decent about this week. So, we're teasing the Bills against the Steelers. We're down to Bills by half a point. So, all the Bills have to do is win the game. And the Giants-Broncos under 47.5, meaning they have to score less than 47 points. I don't trust either of these offenses. Both of these defenses should be pretty good. I don't got anything else to lay out more than that. These are very good defenses against bad quarterbacks. I think we're going to have a game in the teens that would support our under 47 and a half. So of the other games in week one, I'm interested to watch play out. The Jets in Carolina should be very fun. The Sam Darnold Bowl, the Zach Wilson Bowl, whatever you want to call it. I want to pick the Jets to win this game because there is a little bit of value there especially on the money line. I think the Panthers' defense has to be better just purely based on the amount of players the Panthers' front office has selected in the draft and signed in free agency to improve the defense. I think Sam Darnold, in the right offense, can be a viable NFL starter. We need to see it happen first. I think the Jets' defense is going to be horrendous. 
I will be looking at prop bets for Panthers wide receivers and Christian McCaffrey. They're running back purely based on the fact the Jets have no defense to speak of. The safeties are pretty good. They have Bryce Hall, who they drafted out of Virginia Tech last year, as a fifth-round pick because he was injured in college. The pass rush will not be particularly good aside from Quinn and Williams. C.J. Mosley out there should help in the middle of the field, but on the outside, Carolina should be able to prosecute the offense with D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson. I want to see how the Jets play from behind. I want to see how good that offense can be. I like the Matt LaFleur, Mike, Spr- Mike, the Green Bay Packers coach, hire as the offensive coordinator there. He's been in San Francisco for a few years now with Kyle Shanahan, who runs one of the most QB-friendly offenses in the league. So I think the Jets will be frisky, but I don't know how many games they'll really win. I think I had them with two or three wins in my season-long thing I talked about yesterday. Amongst the other games, Seattle-Indianapolis is going to be a very nice bellwether test for both of these teams because there's a considerable amount of playoff buzz around both of these teams. Both of these teams made the playoffs last year and faltered in the postseason because of their offense's inability to move the ball with any real efficiency. I don't trust Carson Wentz, point blank. I do not trust Carson Wentz, and until he proves he is a good quarterback again, I'm going to think the Colts have a very low ceiling. The defense will keep them in games, but their inability to move the ball with any real efficiency or consistency will inhibit Indy's ability to be good. And the Seahawks, uh, it's Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson against a team that's better, worse than them. That's all I really got to say. I, I would lean Seattle. I won't be betting this game. The spread is Seattle minus three as a road favorite. I think that's a bad line. I don't know which way it's a bad line in favor of, but I'm very excited to watch that game play out, to say the least. And yes, you heard me crack it open a beer. It's the first night of football season. I had a couple beers. Shoot me. Other games. Washington football team and the Chargers. Every single football person is talking themselves into the Chargers, me included. Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen. They signed Corey Lindsley to play center. They drafted Rashawn Slater. The offensive line should be a lot better. Year two of Justin Herbert. Austin Eckler did not practice on Thursday. We got to watch out for that on Friday to see if he is a participant. Even if he's not, Justin Jackson, fine. Washington, very good defense. You never know what you're going to get with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center for an extended period of time. They are going to roll the dice that they can get 17 games of Fitz Magic instead of Fitz Tragic. Ask your Jet fan friends what 17 or 16 games of Ryan Fitzpatrick will do to your psyche. I'm very curious to see how Herbert handles a very good defense. That pass rush is legit. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Those guys can get after the quarterback. And then the last game I want to talk about extended before I wrap up here. I'm very, very curious to see what Jameis Winston looks like as the New Orleans Saints quarterback. The Green Bay Packers will be playing the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville. This is a neutral site game, even though it is supposed to be a Saints home game because New Orleans is still dealing with the after effects of Hurricane Ida. The Saints probably will not have a home game at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome until October at least. I'm very, very curious. Full stop. Full disclosure, I picked Jameis Winston 
in my pool to be the comeback player of the year. I think Jameis Winston can push 35, 40 touchdowns if he can cut the picks just a little bit. If he can cut it from 30 to 20, if he can go 40, 20, throw for 4,800 yards, I think the Saints can be a very good team. Uh, they just got to survive till Michael Thomas comes back. And if Michael Thomas is healthy, he's one of the best wide receivers in football. The defense is legit. They can rush the passer. They've got good corners. They've got good safeties. Sean Payton is a good coach, even though he's a little bit too conservative for my liking. And the Taysom Hill experiment is infuriating to all hell to anyone with any football sense from the outside looking in. Anybody who's not too nice to, to ask Sean Payton just like, bro, what the hell are you doing using this guy at quarterback? He's not a quarterback. Anybody from the outside looking in there would tell would have told Sean Payton, you got no, bro, there's no point. You don't need Taysom Hill. Just let Jameis Winston cook. We're going to see Jameis Winston, Marquez Calloway, Adam Troutman. They are a little bit shallow on the outside right now. It is going to be the Alvin Kamara show in terms of offense. I think Jameis can be an effective passer. This is going to be our first test. The Green Bay defense has good corners. It's got decent safeties. The pass rush is okay. It's not great. I want to see what Green Bay can do against that Saints defense. It's a good game on paper. There's a couple good games on paper. I mean, Baltimore-Vegas as Monday Night Football, and that's not terrible. The, the Eagles at the Falcons, that's not a bad game to kind of get your toes in the water. And the last thought I want to leave you with is very simple, and it ties back to what I talked about in the introduction about what we're going to be calling Monday episodes going forward over Reaction Mondays. It's one game in week one. Every team, no matter how good they are, is going to start out slow. Tampa and Dallas both punted before they scored touchdowns on Thursday night. This is part of the process. Offenses need to get into rhythms before they can run plays with confidence, and confidence will get you a lot of places in the NFL, even if your talent isn't as good. So, real quick, before I get everyone out of here, the three college games I wrote down, Iowa State-Iowa, that's where college game day is. It's a very good non-conference rivalry. Iowa looks legit. They body-bagged Indiana at Kinnick last weekend, and Indiana had some preseason buzz based on what they did last year after Michael Penix got hurt because of the Tom Allen hype, because of how good Indiana's defense was. Iowa looks legit. They can get after the quarterback. Their offense can move the ball. They can score some points. That'll be a very interesting game. Iowa State always struggles that week one game against Northern Iowa. They always play Northern Iowa week one. Northern Iowa is familiar with Iowa State. Yeah. Iowa State is a good team. Brock Purdy, Spencer, uh, not Spencer Sanders, excuse me. I meant Bryce Hall. The football names are just kind of rattling around in my brain right now. It's late. I've had a couple beers, but Bryce Hall, very good running back. Charlie Kohler at tight end. I like what Iowa State has, what Campbell's done there since he's gotten there as their head coach. I'm very excited to watch that game in Ames. Game day will be there. It'll be fun to wake up to. Oregon? going to the heart of the Big Ten, going to Columbus to play the Buckeyes at the shoe. This is as good a measuring stick non-conference game as you will have in a college football season. The Pac-12 is constantly tired of being shit on, overlooked for spots in the playoffs. Oregon plays Ohio State well on Saturday, noon kickoff at the shoe. 
Oregon, with one loss, can easily make the college football playoff if they play Ohio State well. Ohio State did not look great in that game against Minnesota. Minnesota's not a slouch of a team. Ohio State was on the road. Ohio State kind of had to get into a rhythm on offense. Got to see a little bit more from C.J. Stroud. That was his first college start. But I'm excited to watch that game. Going to watch that game with a couple friends on Saturday. And the last game I wrote down here, this is purely my homerism as... I mean, you've heard me talk about it on the show before, or if you're new to the show, I talked about it a lot last year during college football season. I don't have any one team because I'm from the New York area and there is no dominant force college football team. There are several teams I enjoy, Penn State, Texas, USC, LSU, Auburn, Georgia. There are so many teams I just enjoy watching because I have no vested interest in any one team. It allows me to enjoy college football on a grander scale. I wrote down Texas against Arkansas because the spread's only 7.5, which kind of surprised me considering how well Texas played against Louisiana last week. And, I mean, Arkansas is not that good. I mean, I watched Alabama body bag Arkansas last year with Felipe Franks, and Felipe Franks last year was better than the quarterback Arkansas has right now. I want to see week two of Sark. Texas was not flashy. It wasn't pretty. They handled Louisiana professionally. They didn't turn the ball over. They scored touchdowns in the red zone. They did the easy things. I want to see two good weeks under Sark. I would like to see Auburn win their non-conference game. I would like to see Penn State win their non-conference game. I'm going to the whiteout next weekend. I would like game day to be there so I can see game day in person. I want Penn State to play Auburn. I want that. Well, yeah, Penn State is going to play Auburn, but I would like that to be the college game day game. I would like to see the game day in person. Very excited for this weekend of football. The game between Tampa and Dallas was awesome to get the season underway. Very excited for Scott Hansen to tell me about the seven and a half hours of commercial free football on Sunday. I will see you guys on Monday when it's time to overreact to all the games over the weekend and maybe a Jack Eichel trade if that ever happens or any other crazy shit that could happen in sports because there's lots of stuff going on. There's international soccer. There's a Formula One race. There's a NASCAR playoff race. Whole lot of shit going on. Maybe the Mets will sweep the Yankees. Who knows? I'll see you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend.